You're listening to CLE Rocks, the music podcast from the birthplace of rock and roll. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a review on the podcast platform of your choice. This episode features explicit language that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Now, on with the show. I won't deny it. I'm a straight rider. You don't want to fuck with me. Got the Upon being released from jail in October 1995, Tupac Shakur embarked on one of the most successful, prolific, and tumultuous runs music had ever seen. He would sign with Death Row Records, release his blockbuster double album, All Eyes on Me, and become the biggest rap star in the world. That was named after the revolutionary with the Peruvians. His name was Tupac Amaro Shakur, and... Uh... If you break it down, it means determined to overcome my obstacles. Shakur wasn't the only star that found success after leaving prison in 1995. Boxer Mike Tyson, after serving less than three years for a rape conviction, was released from prison that March and would go on to become heavyweight champion of the world again. I'm just in great shape. I'm just ready to fight. And... I know how to do my thing, and I'm sure you guys won't forget this moment. Two of the biggest names in pop culture would unite in Cleveland for a concert on January 4th, 1996, and just eight months before Tupac's murder after a Mike Tyson fight in Las Vegas. This is that story. In the years leading up to 1995, Tupac Shakur had built quite a resume. His first two albums had received solid reviews, while standout appearances in the film's Poetic Justice and Above the Rim had earned him a reputation as a dual threat. Why are you always so mad? You must ain't got no man because you don't never smile. What do you want from me? Start with your phone number. It all culminated with the release of Me Against the World, his most critically acclaimed and successful album to date in March 1995. It's just me against the world. Tupac had become one of the most magnetic figures in popular culture. Journalist Soren Baker, a former editor for Source Magazine and author of The History of Gangster Rap, remembers Shakur's ability to pull people in. I think people were drawn to Tupac because he gave off the air of not carrying in of being himself. And Tupac also appealed to so many people because he had so many disparate dispositions and personalities and stances. So the people that wanted to hear songs celebrating and championing black women, he had Keep Your Head Up. If you wanted to hear him bashing women, he had several songs of that, some of which are unfit to print in a family newspaper. And then if you wanted to hear a gangster a hardcore song, he had a handful of those. If you wanted to hear him talking about political things, holler if you hear me. He had all these different personalities, different chambers of his persona, of his being, of his mind. And then Me Against the World in particular, his third album, he had a lot of introspective, a lot of, he dealt with a lot of paranoia, a lot of introspection, a lot of things that he wanted out of life and that are painful and insightful. So people that are more contemplative, that album is perfect for them. So he had, um, and then of course, the bravado element. So he really tapped into so many different and sometimes contradictory emotions. And that's what humans are. We're very complex. We're multi-layered. We're 
contradictory, we are hypocritical, we are all these things. And you could say Tupac epitomized being all things to all people because he was that as an artist. Tupac was no stranger to controversy, but 1995 would prove extremely turbulent. In December 1994, Shakur was convicted of first-degree sexual abuse due to an incident that took place in 93. Despite maintaining his innocence, Shakur was sentenced to a minimum of 18 months in prison. I didn't do nothing. I'm, I'm charged with being in concert with some guys. Well, where they at? Why me? Because I'm Tupac. No, I'm not angry at them. I'm angry at the system. I don't want nobody else to go to jail. You know what I'm saying? But I don't want to go to jail for something I didn't do. You know what I'm saying? I just don't want to be the scapegoat. I just want to be, I want to be, only way I've, I've been practicing my whole life to live my life is to be responsible for what I do. I don't know how to be responsible for what every black male did. I don't know. I, yes, I am going to say that I'm a thug. That's because I came from the gutter and I'm still here. I'm not saying I'm a thug because I want to rob you and rape people and things. I'm a businessman. I mean, I mean, you know I'm a businessman because you find me at my places of business. You don't find me up in, in, you know what I'm saying? I don't understand this. Trouble was the last thing on Mike Tyson's mind in 1995. Four years earlier, he was arrested for the rape of an 18-year-old beauty queen in a hotel in Indianapolis. Tyson was sentenced to six years in prison, but served less than three, being released in March 95. In the early morning chill and darkness, Mike Tyson stepped out of the Indiana Youth Center a free man. He was greeted by an entourage led by Tyson's promoter, Don King, who whisked the ex-heavyweight champion away in a black limousine to a nearby mosque, where Tyson participated in a prayer service attended by the likes of Muhammad Ali and rap star Hammer. The entourage then beating a speedy exit to the Indianapolis airport, where Tyson boarded a chartered flight home to Ohio and his first day of freedom in three years. At the time, Tyson was also Ohio's most famous resident. He owned a mansion in Southington, Ohio, a township an hour outside of Cleveland that he bought in 1989. Tyson also trained in Orwell, Ohio, at a facility owned by Cleveland native and famed boxing promoter Don King. The two held Tyson's first press conference after his release from prison in Cleveland. In the last three years, I had had the chance to reflect on my life and develop my mind, and I will continue my journey to making myself a better person so that I can help others, but I'm here today to make a statement about my, my profession, excuse me, future. There's been a lot of speculation about my plan, and here they are. I will fight again. I also will confirm that Don King will continue to promote my fight. Don is the greatest promoter in the world, as we know, and I have chosen Showtime to be my television network. I have enjoyed my relationship with them both as a boxer and as a boxing commentator. I decided also to fight with the new MGM Grant, and I want to associate myself with the biggest and the best. And I look forward to working with them and seeing you soon. Tyson's comeback fight would take place on August 19, 1995, in Nevada against Peter McNeely. It would last just one round. Tyson with a left hook, a right up, and that down goes McNeely again! McNeely's hurt this time, Steve. He's very hurt. He can barely stand up. The fight would gross more than $96 million worldwide and set pay-per-view and attendance records. Mike Tyson was back. Hey, shit. what I tell you, nigga, when I come out of jail, what I was going to do? I was going to start digging into these niggas' chests, right? <laughs> Watch this. While in jail, Shakur would read Machiavelli's political treatise, The Prince, in Sun Tzu's book, The Art of War. Around the same time, Shakur would meet Suge Knight, the head of Death Row Records. 
Shakur would sign with Death Row and emerge from prison in late 95 to find himself at the center of the highly publicized East Coast-West Coast feud centered on a rivalry between Death Row Records and Sean Puffy Combs' Bad Boy Records. I take this war shit deeply. There seem too many real players fall to let these bitch niggas beat me. Puff. Let's be honest, you a punk or you would see me with gloves. But that shit you said the vibe about me being a thug and you can tell the people you roll with whatever you want. But you and I know what's going on. Shakur and Christopher Wallace, better known as the Notorious B.I.G., became friends as up-and-coming artists in the early 90s. But things changed in 94. In November of that year, Shakur stopped by New York City's Quad Studios for a recording session and to meet up with the Notorious B.I.G., then signed to Bad Boy Records, as well as Combs, who were also at the studio. That's when Shakur was attacked and shot five times in the studio's lobby. Shakur is being treated for five bullet wounds. But despite his injuries, the 23-year-old rapper was alert and talking to cops about the holdup just after midnight today outside a Manhattan recording studio. Cops say Shakur, his manager Freddie Moore, and two other men were on their way into the Times Square studio when three bandits, at least two of whom had guns, confronted them. Police also say even though he was wounded, Shakur lunged at one gunman and fought unsuccessfully for a pistol. Bellevue Hospital spokesman said Shakur is in guarded condition. Shakur's manager, Freddie Moore, was wounded in the chest and is in stable condition. The release of the Notorious B.I.G. song, Who Shot Ya, just a few months later, would lead Shakur to accuse his former friend and Combs of setting him up. I'll let the niggas know it's on for life. Don't let the West Side ride the night. <laughs> Bad boy murdered on wax and kill. Fuck with me and get your caps pill. An opportunistic Suge Knight would take advantage of the situation, elevating the East Coast-West Coast feud at the 1995 Source Awards, taking shots at Combs and Bad Boy. I'd like to tell Tupac to keep his guards up. We ride with him. And one other thing I'd like to say, any artist out there want to be an artist and want to stay a star, don't want to have to worry about the executive producer trying to be all in the video, all on the record, dancing. As Tupac was engaging in one of the most heated feuds in music history, Mike Tyson was knocking people out. Following his win over McNeely, Tyson was arguably the most famous athlete on the planet again. His next fight would come against Buster Mathis Jr. in 1995. That fight would end in brutal fashion with a knockout in the third round. It wouldn't take long for Don King to begin promoting Tyson's next fight, announcing a title showdown between Tyson and then-champion Frank Bruno just minutes after the Mathis contest was over. It has been more than six years since Mike Tyson last fought for the heavyweight championship. WBC title holder Frank Bruno is 40-4 with 37 knockouts, but lost to Tyson in their only meeting back in 1989, although Bruno staggered Tyson in the opening minutes of that bout. The British champion weighs 247 pounds for his first title defense. Tyson, 43-1 and just two fights into his comeback, tips the scales at 220. As Tyson's boxing career was getting back on track, Shakur was leaving prison in October 1995, poised for superstardom. California dreaming. Soon as I step on the scene, I'm hearing hoochie screaming. 
Marathon recording sessions would set the stage for All Eyes on Me. Tupac was also eager to get back out on the road, headlining the Tribute to Easy e tour in honor of the West Coast rap pioneer who died of AIDS in 95. The first stop would be Cleveland's basketball venue, then known as Gund Arena. But things got off to a rocky start. Tensions would rise the day of the show. Cleveland rap stars Bone Thugs and Harmony, who were signed to Easy es Ruthless Records, had beef with some members of Death Row and didn't take kindly to the label performing in its hometown. Bone Thugs member and leader Crazy Bone remembers traveling to the hotel where Death Row artists were staying to confront Knight. They were met by the show's promoter, Deborah King, daughter of Don King. They was having a concert in Cleveland. And you know, we was in Cleveland. We was, we was, we was pissed. We was living like, what? Y'all gonna book a death row show in Cleveland? And y'all know we, we from here? We was like, oh, it's going down. We didn't have to gather with nobody. We in Cleveland. <laughs> so it's like everybody riding, the whole city. We go up to the hotel. Don King's daughter was the promoter. Don King's daughter was the promoter. And she was crying. She was like, Shook flipping on me. She, she was like, she like Shook said if anybody from Bone come in an arena, he packing the bus up and he taking everybody out. Like, uh, like he, he taking the money and he leaving. So we was like, wow, okay. So we left the hotel a little heated. Like, oh, like that? Soon as we, we like five cars. No, 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 no. We like, we like four cars deep at that time. So we pull off. We, I, I don't know where we were going. Man, we drove like five minutes from the hotel. Somebody had to call the snitch on us because police came from, I'm talking about helicopters came from up under the bridge and the cars came from everywhere. Like they swarmed us like, get out the car. We was like, oh my God. It was me. Wishbone, Flesh, and it, it, it was me, Wish, Flesh, DJ Ice, and they, and, uh, they cousin Scantbone. Man, they drew down on us. It's like it's like a hundred cops. They drew down on us. They like get out your car. Wish was in the front. No, uh, Wish was in the front seat. This nigga gets out the car. As soon as he get out the car, the pistol that was on his lap fell off in the street. Like cling, 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 cling. I was like, oh, they about to kill us. I thought they was gonna draw down on us for real. The pistol hit the ground like, they, man, it was really intense. It was like, they got guns. They snatched us all out the car. They found two more guns in the car. They, they laid us on the ground. They put, man, they put us in the back of the police car. They put me and Wish in the same car. Uh, Wish was like, I got to use the bathroom, officer. And the officer was like, fuck you, pee on yourself. And he did it right in the back of his car. <laughs> we went to jail, of course. I sat in jail for like uh what uh three day what three days without being charged. They just came with up my cell up like you're free to go. While Crazy Bone, Wishbone, and Flesh and Bone found themselves in jail, Bone Thugs member Lazy Bone managed to make his way to Gundarina, where he and his crew would come face to face with Suge Knight during Death Row's sound check. The two exchanged heated words over their beef remembers Gonzo, a rapper featured on the tour during an interview with Urban News website InfoMinds TV. We land in Cleveland, Ohio. I'll never forget Dan Marley, the basketball player, white boy Dan Marley. I guess they had practice or something at the Gund Arena, but we was at Soundcheck and this nigga Dan Marley comes walking through. Me and Suge is like right there. We fucking with Dan Marley. 
all of a sudden we see the niggas from Bone Thugs and Harmony. Now, mind you, these niggas got beef with the dog pound, but we in their city. These niggas show up to the concert deep, like ready for whatever. At that moment, Suge kind of like pulled them niggas backstage. The issue was resolved, regardless of what the media might have thought or what the fans may have thought. But that day back at Soundcheck, like right before the show at the Gund Arena, that shit was squashed. The situation was ultimately diffused by Shakur, who was friends with both sides. Lazy Bone would make an appearance on stage during the concert that night, but the show itself was a mess. Despite being advertised, Dr. Dre who was on the outs with Death Row, and Snoop Doggy Dog, who was on trial for murder, were no-shows. The concert would wind up featuring DJ Quick, R&B singer Danny Boy, The Dog Pound, and of course Tupac with his group The Outlaws and Death Row artist Nate Dogg. Sheila Williams reviewed the concert for Cleveland's Plain Dealer. I remember being really excited because, you know, this whole Death Row um, lineup, that had been so hyped and so promoted and so praised was like finally showing up. And and it was like the first time I had seen Tupac perform before, but not as, you know, part of this kind of West Coast Association. When, you know, he finally, you know, came on stage and did the performance. And I mean, I think I remember just being just dismayed that it was such a bad show. Just made disappointed. Tupac was just so unfocused. His show was like so disjointed. And like these, I remember, you know, the girls coming out and the song was supposed to be that inspiring song about single moms, keep your head up. But like this, this these women are in like, you know, bikinis and they're, you know, they're, they're <laughs> really sexually explicit dances. And so people started booing and then he joins in like, what are these hoes doing on stage? Yeah, I know. And it's just, it was so disappointing. And, um, and he totally lost control of the crowd because once people started booing, then they started, you know, throwing ice and then they started throwing ice at him and somebody threw their crutch on stage. And I was like, I've never seen anything like this before. At one point during Tupac's set, which lasted just eight songs, a man in the crowd threw a crutch on stage. Danny Boy recalled the incident for hip hop website Cam Capone News in 2019. And out the audience, a uh, uh, crutch come up on the stage. And I think Pac was like, whoever threw that crutch, uh, if you say who threw that crutch, I'm getting a thousand dollars, five hundred, whatever the number was, I'm getting his money up. And you can see a thousand fingers pointed at this one dude <laughs> in the audience. <laughs> he got snatched up. They snatched him up and the show went on. And Pac just threw some money out in the audience and they just went crazy. And yet, the most buzzed about incident at the show involved Mike Tyson, the former boxing champ had been training in Orwell, reportedly leaner and meaner, for his upcoming title fight. Tyson and Shakur first met in the early 90s, when Tyson helped the then-mostly-unknown rapper get into an upscale nightclub. They became close friends after that, with Shakur even visiting Tyson in prison. At one point during the Cleveland concert, Shakur would invite his friend Tyson on stage, but the boxing icon was hesitant. Mike Tyson had just got out of jail. This nigga Mike show up to the concert with the tightest fucking jean suit I ever seen in my life. I'm talking about you can see this nigga heartbeat. Fucking jean suit was hella tight. He had the collars popped up on him like Batman. Tight ass jean suit on looking like spandex. I said, this nigga Mike crazy as shit. 
Nigga Pac said, yo, when this song come on, bring this nigga on stage. So this nigga Mike acting hella crazy. I mean, just walking through on some straight savage shit, right? All of a sudden, you know, he's standing on the side of the stage watching the show. When the song come on, this nigga turned into a little, I don't know, the savage beast turned into a fucking kitten. Nigga was shy as hell to go on stage. But that nigga was in Cleveland. The nigga had a... A tight-ass motherfucking jean suit on. The shit was crazy. Niggas wasn't even wearing tight clothes back then. <laughs> the concert wouldn't be the last time Shakur and Tyson hung out together, but it did mark a moment in time when both men sat on top of the world in their respective mediums. Ain't nothing but against the party. Ain't you done put two of America's most wanted in the same fucking place at the same A month after the concert at Gundarina, Tupac would release All Eyes on Me. The album would sell over half a million copies in its first week. Songs would include multiple hit singles, cementing Tupac as one of the biggest music acts in the world. Shakur's performing career would culminate with a performance on Saturday Night Live just days after the album's release. Now we was once two brothers of the same kind. Quick to holler at a hoochie with the same line. You was just a little smaller, but you still roll. Got stressed to walk. Meanwhile, in March 1996, Tyson would look to complete his career comeback in the title fight against Frank Bruno. 5,000 of Frank Bruno's British countrymen have arrived here on the Desert Strip for tonight's main event, and the WBC heavyweight champ has promised not to disappoint them. 37 of Bruno's 40 career wins have ended by knockout, and the champion says he's planning on doing the same to Mike Tyson, who meets his most formidable opponent since his return to boxing last year. Tyson carries a 43-1 record into the ring, including a victory against Bruno in a 1989 fight which lasted five rounds. Tyson is a considerable favorite to regain the heavyweight title he once owned. If he wins, it will propel him back to the top of the division he once dominated. Tyson's fight with Bruno lasted less than three rounds. Just a year removed from prison, Mike Tyson was once again the heavyweight champion. It's interesting, you know, because I, you know, I try to um, analyze situations, which I'm not good at. And I used to think about less than a year ago, I was in the cell under harsh um, treatments, you know what I mean? So I really, it was really difficult to just even explain it. Tyson and Shakur would meet again in September 1996, but this time, the end result would prove tragic. On September 7th, 1996, Shakur attended Tyson's fight against Bruce Sheldon in Las Vegas. Tyson would capture the WBA title that night. The first person he would embrace after heading towards his locker room was Tupac Shakur. After the bout, Shakur would be involved in an altercation with alleged Southside Compton Crip member Orlando Anderson. Later that night, Shakur was in a car with Suge Knight when a Cadillac sedan pulled up alongside the passenger side where Tupac was sitting. Shots were fired and Shakur was hit four times. The rap icon was rushed to the hospital where he died on September 13, 1996. One of the famous murals and pictures that people have is a, it's a mural of Tupac's head, basically, and live by the done, gun, die by the gun. Sadly, a lot of people saw that. Tupac rapped about it himself, about his impending death. So I think even he knew he was on a treacherous, dangerous, precarious path, and that was reflected in his music. And then also, it's... Um, an unfortunate reality that a lot of the 
guys that are really in the streets or really in gangs that I've talked to and gotten to know and befriend over the years, they'll always tell you, you know, the most likely outcomes are death or incarceration. And that doesn't matter if you're famous or not. If that's the life that you're living, there's a distinct possibility that you're going to get killed or you're going to get incarcerated. And unfortunately, that held true for Tupac. Just two months after Shakur's death, Tyson would step in the ring against Evander Holyfield and lose his WBA heavyweight title. He would never recapture the gold. Tyson would abandon his Ohio mansion in 1999 after falling on hard financial times. He would declare bankruptcy in 2003 and retire from boxing following a loss to Kevin McBride in 2005. The Tyson of Saturday night was just a shell of the one that once dominated boxing. Tyson quit after the sixth round, staying on his stool rather than come out to face Kevin McBride. Tyson later said he most likely will not fight again since he doesn't want to disrespect the sport by losing to a guy of McBride's caliber. The last round was a bizarre one, even by Tyson's standards. The former champ first tried to break McBride's arm, then hit him low, and finally headbutting McBride in a desperate bid to win. Tyson has fielded multiple questions about Tupac and the night of his murder over the years. At times, Tyson has been brought to tears in talking about a man he considered to be his best friend. Thank you for listening to this episode of CLE Rocks. A special shout out to InfoMinds TV and Cam Capone News. Thank you to Soren Baker and Sheila Williams for their interviews. For more on CLE Rocks, visit our page on ACAST. I'm Troy L. Smith. Until next time. I've heard of Tupac Toupee, to everything, trust me. Everything except Tupac Shakur. It's not really hard, it's just people see a name that's not John, Bill, and Joe, and they make it harder than it is. It's really easier than most people's names, you know, it's Tupac Shakur, Shakur, Shakur.